Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. All right, we're back in week whatever we are. I, you know, I think we're on like, no, I think we're in the nineties of episodes. Or, we're, yeah. we're getting close to our centennial. Oh, episode, that's going to be big. It's going to be huge. <laughs> be huge. The last interview we we ended with a little teaser about um, a Facebook page I just liked that it was I was invited to like by you, and it's your daughter's Facebook yeah, page, she, and she's... I thought it was very cool. And so tell the <laughs> listeners about it because it's such a neat project. Well, it's uh, my six year old Kaya. Um, she is is just in love with hearts and she's in love with love like she is the she's a perfect little girl version of me okay <laughs> <laughs> oddly and so she's got her own youtube channel that she just started called heart fun and it's all about making hearts and seeing hearts in anything around so check it out heart fun is on youtube heart, heart fun by kaya uh <laughs> And, I mean, like, there's a picture of this lake that was sent by her, one, I think, her aunt or something like that, you know, from a plane that Anything has a, has a shaped heart like shaped. A heart. And, yeah. I mean, it's really quite cool. And, and Derek Reedley had said, some, you know, sent something that she liked with, uh, you know, love and, uh, you know, somewhere like in New York or something. I mean, it was, anyway, so I, it's just such a cool thing. And, and she's just, I mean, what a pure energy uh, Kaya has. Well, it's eh? a nice transition into our, our guest today. I don't know what it is about red wine and hearts and love, but th- those three things do go together quite well. Uh, for example, agree. tomorrow night I'm going to be at the wine fair. I will see you there. And it's a, it's in support of the heart and stroke, isn't it? Or something? <laughs> no, I don't even know. It doesn't matter. Uh, t- today, I we have... Debbie's trying too hard we, to make these connections. <laughs> we <with>. have an <laughs> incredible uh, uh, opportunity. And I say the word incredible very carefully, and you're going to understand why soon, uh, because we have to very be very uh, we have to be very thoughtful about the words that we use uh, when we talk in business. But um, Deb Hatcher is a new friend of mine that I met uh, last time we were in Portland, Oregon for the B Corp champions retreat she is the owner of uh, adz wines and rex hill um the largest producers of high quality pinot noir in uh, in the pacific northwest and we had some amazing conversations before we go into that um deb welcome to the boiling point thank you for being here uh, can you do a quick introduction to dave and our listeners. Hi, I'm very happy to be here. Uh, we're watering the vineyards and everything else in Oregon right now. So you can picture what I see outside my window. Oh, so uh, nice. It's raining. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it's amazing that we can talk across the world like this. I'm on the Pacific Coast and you're on the Atlantic Coast. Yeah, and, and it's, isn't that a beautiful thing too, the way technology has been able to connect us this way. And as we're talking, you're seeing rain and we are minus we're, eight. We're minus eight, but oddly we're seeing sun. We so rarely yeah. see sun. Um, so Deb, um, well, I, I, actually Dave, let me just really quickly tell you, uh, Deb hosted us at a, at a tour at the vineyard and uh, it was beautiful and had lots of lots to drink. It was lovely. And Deb had an opportunity to speak to us for about 20, 25 minutes about a really interesting concept, which was the language that we use in business. 
I'm going to stop it there. And Deb, I want you to come into this and give us a good introduction. I feel this is worthy of a TED Talk, in fact. It's so important. So, oh. Deb, Deb, what, what are you... Well, I, I, I feel that it's very important, not just in business, but it's one of the few places that we can help to change the world as individuals, whether we're in positions of power or not, because language profoundly influences how we see the world and experience ourselves within the world in space-time, and also causality. In other words, how we speak, I believe, makes a huge difference in manifesting our actual uh, physical world. And what seems to happen is that in the history of mankind, we've allowed military in particular, uh, which has become also much like our sports language. We've allowed military language that's about power and winning with a focus on uh, strategy and operations to become most of the metaphors that we use. And this is why I ask people in our company to try to hear when people say impact and to try, that's the one military sports kind of thing I ask our company to try not to say because it's very rarely what you really mean. And it does suggest that we don't know what we really mean. Um, Einstein supposedly said, if you can't explain it to a six-year-old, you didn't understand it or don't understand it yourself. Well, when we say, I want to make an impact or a word that to me isn't even a word, impactful, um, what do you mean? Do you want to inspire someone? Do you want to inform them? Do you want to, uh, what do you want to do? Be careful because you probably don't want to smack them. And that's really what that means. So when we say things like blow it up and, you know, we're going to target this or get out of the line of fire and so on, I think that is in a way of thinking where there's only one winner. And, and, and in business, it usually would mean you've got to sell the most. And it is true. You introduced me as saying we make uh, we have the, the most sales of Oregon wine, of any Oregon winery. That's true. But being the biggest was never a goal of ours. And it still isn't. Being the best is. So that's a different tech. What has happened as we, I believe, what uh, as we've um, become uh, more... Uh, advanced, perhaps civilized, I'm not even sure about either of those words, we seem to have moved to scientific language and mechanical language. And that's a place where we do try to, in our company, work and focus a little bit more. Um, so what happens when you do those? You pretend that you have some kind of control, that knowledge is control. And you do that through measurement and that that makes us believe we're certain about something and that we can then predict what will happen in the future. Of course, in business, that means that we're likely to manipulate behavior. And that's something that, you know, raises all kinds of ethical questions. But I think what it does is it, it treats uh, people and even systems like machines. And the, the assumption is that we're, as we get objective, that we can be objective even, and, and it distances us from the real world and 
most importantly, from one another, from life. And so what we try to promote is using natural language. And natural language, even if you lived only in the tropics and you had never actually been on ice or seen snow, you would be able to understand the metaphor slippery as ice. Um, we, we understand hard as a rock, sly as a fox. We, we um, sadly know eats like a pig, <laughs> but also soars like a hawk. Uh, and, and this idea that if we, if we were to be able to use natural uh, language, that, then there's, there's actual meaning in it that, that helps us to connect with one another. It is closer to our emotions. I think it has the potential for greater human complexity. And I think it brings a shared sense of purpose and identification with one another. I think it's very human. So when someone says to me, uh, can you give me a little feedback on that? I say no, because I'm not a machine and I don't give feedback. If they say um, that they want some input I don't do that either. And I don't, <laughs> I great. hope that no one, no one in the company is asking one another to behave like a robot and like a machine. This is, this is such a difficult thing to do. I do agree with you that we are likely to all fail. This is in, in our language so deeply that it's, it's very difficult. And, and it, once you begin to listen to the things that you uh, say yourself and that others say, it's surprising how pervasive it is. And, and that's the first step. Just try to hear it. When somebody says, hit the ground running, recognize that's from the military. You know, that, that, that if you say you have a scorched earth policy, what does that really mean? Do you really believe that's useful? And, 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 and taking it a little bit away from the super dramatic and the actual killing, you know, we say, we say we're, we're cleansing. We're doing an ethnic cleansing when we really mean genocide or, or we take down and we don't say we kill or we liberate cities instead of destroy them. But, but let's bring it a little less dramatic and a little, little away from military, more to business. If you say you have a non-performing asset, what you really mean is you have a bad debt. How can that be an asset? You know, we say we, we're going to downsize the company. We're talking about firing people. We're going to reduce costs. No, we're cutting a person's salary. And so I think, you know, if we could, if we could get clearer in our language, we would recognize how we are um, isolating ourselves. And that's also already a problem. Witness this. We're talking through so many thousands of miles. How is that possible? We're already not face to face. So why would we not attend to this? Mm. Yeah, wow. So you've done... Um well, I get a kind of probably a million questions in my head. First, first thing I would point out is that it's interesting. I I recall being in business development in an IT firm, and and people talking about, well, we'll see if we have enough resources for that, and and they were they're talking about, about money, 
No, they're talking about people. Oh, okay. And I'm like, but a resource. Like, it's right. the person has a name. <laughs> like, it right. just seemed like such an odd way to describe, <laughs> like, like Joe over here, who's the programmer. You're a resource, you Joe. Know? Yeah. Do we have enough, <laughs> you know, check to see if we have enough resources. And so, uh, for whatever reason, that just stuck in my mind as just odd language for me personally. Uh, so, but you, you know, you've done a lot of thinking clearly about this, uh, Deborah. Like, wh- at what point? In your life, did this, you know, the, the power of language and, and the, um, you know, the understanding how language, uh, or, or maybe how we don't, we don't consider language we're using and, and that in the time hearing in this, that, that we, you know, it takes some effort and energy because we need to understand the words we use and, and be more conscious of, of, you know, what the meanings are versus just kind of grabbing things and pulling them together. But at some point you must, what was the point in time that you recognized that, that there's the, how, you know, language is just being misused or, or, or helping us objectify people by using certain language? Well, there was no point of time, <laughs> but I suspect it began when I read uh, George Orwell as a, as a young person. Hmm. And this, this, um, this ex- exposing uh, euphemism and what he called double speak to uh, deceive, uh, to conceal, avoid, uh, deny, divert, mislead. But eventually, uh, the point of all of this sort of don't call a thing a thing is to prevent thought. And I'm perhaps sadly all in my head. So this really, really woke me up. And I do think that it's been important to me all of my life. However, to be more, um, more cooperative and, and really tell you when I began to codify it and try to put it into some system that I could talk about without being completely random was actually when I was thinking about um, what, how, and why. And I realized that, that what is, is about things and results. And that's in business, you have a what. That's why, you know, that's, that's the sort of ostensibly the purpose of your business. And the how is the process of how you do it. So we're actually manufacturers, agricultural manufacturers, but so much of business today, um, it's not even that easy to always describe what is the what. You know, you said IT and so on, where people are resources. The how, we, we, can, we can focus on that. We understand that in the process of how we grow grapes or how we make the wine or even how we... Um, comport our company, that's the process. But so often there's no why, which is really the purpose. Because if someone in our company doesn't feel like they have um, meaningful work, they're very unlikely to feel they have a meaningful life. There's an old story about a guy in the uh, Navy who was assigned the job of peeling the potatoes. And he decided that he would be the best potato peeler in the world. And, and he would have no eyes left, no, no little bits of peel left. They would, wouldn't be dirty. They were all clean, perfectly peeled potatoes. And after a while, people noticed. And even with just that goal 
of being the best, of doing, having perfectly peeled potatoes made him feel like he had meaningful work because he had set for himself his personal goal, which he achieved. So it was really that I'd been lingering so much more in the why. Why do we do things? Why business at all? And, and of course, without business, um, we, it's difficult to get, to, to have everybody be able to survive, much less have meaningful lives. But there has to be more than for a paycheck. And I look around at least the United States and I find so many people appear desperately unhappy, angry, um, or, or not present. And I think that's what brought me back to language. Uh, so it's so wonderful to look at it this way, too, because <clears throat> I think you just explained it to me very well a second ago when we used that word impact. You said, what are you really trying to say? Are you trying to inspire, influence, manipulate? What exactly is it that you're, that you're trying to? to do. And it's a way of being authentic and honest, isn't it? Uh, that doublespeak that, that, that we were talking about, it's so common in today's language. We, we use these metaphors that are open for interpretation in a way that you're saying, why don't we use language for what it is? Name a thing what it is and let's get on with it. <laughs> you know? and, I, I think that's so true about integrity. You know, do you have integrity in your language? And frankly, most of us do not. We're lazy with our language. And uh, George Bush at the beginning, uh, well, I think it was in 2003, said, (laughs) I reminded the soldiers and their families that the war in Iraq is really about peace. Doublespeak isn't in some fictional book that was written, you know, 40 years ago. This is everywhere around us. Mm-hmm. War is oh, yeah. peace. Just, we just listened to CNN, CNN for a little while, and you, I mean, or CBC for that matter. It, you know what I find interesting is, um, and I, I mean, I guess we could try to analyze, it, but but you know, it's like it's. I think some things that people have to do if they use certain language around, like for example, downsizing, it lessens in their minds the impact of they have on the people and the families that they're essentially letting go. And I wouldn't even use the word firing, right? Because where does that come from as we think about yeah. that more clearly? Oh, there you go. You know, Thanks. That's good. Uh, well, because, yeah, like that's an interesting... Uh, so, and and the other thing, uh, well, actually, one of the things I just wanted to, to, to just glom onto is this idea of purpose. And what's so interesting, so I, I don't know if you know this, Deborah, but I'm a, an executive coach and we work with leaders and um and you know it's so interesting that you can you create these relationships where you're coaching someone as a practitioner as a coach you know and it's confidential and it's sometimes the first time someone who's 55 and had a career you know really you know like a like a, a lawyer as an example who's who's questioning why am i doing this like what is my purpose and and I think the safety of the relationships helps them to explore that. But I think a lot of people um, are probably open to thinking about this if we give them the space or they give themselves maybe that gift of the space to reflect. Um, so I, I, I'm hearing it a lot. It's probably the nature of the work I do. But I, I, I just wanted to, to mention that. Well, the nature of the work you do, but also the nature of the population, baby boomers all over the all over the world were determined to make a better world. And uh, I think we could safely say we didn't do such a great job. 
And so here at the ends of our careers and certainly in the last third of our lives, we are probably returning to that youthful idealism and questioning what what we had thought we were going to accomplish and what we certainly did not accomplish. Mm. And Deb, that brings me to a project that we're working on right now called, <clears throat> excuse me, The Millennial Dream. And we are looking at the differences between the values of the American dream and the values of the new economy. Uh, we're looking at millennials as a generation, yes, but really what are these new values that today in the 21st century that crosses all generations that we now care about? And through and through, I always uh, reference, I guess, my parents' generation who back in the 60s, there was this ideal of working towards something greater and peace and uh, a more socialistic approach. And it's almost like that dream got got uh, you know derailed and the capitalist extreme sucked everybody down a whole different uh, path. But like you say, now is the time where everybody's coming back to it, saying we've actually learned a lot in those last 30 years, 40 years. And I'm, I feel really optimistic about this. And the very fact that the B Corp movement is, is uh, catching uh, so much you know, energy around the world right now is also a testament to that. Uh, any thoughts on that? So exciting. Exactly. Uh, the B Corp movement is uh, emblematic of this desperate need we have to uh, move business from that military sports model of winning best, biggest to becoming a force for good. And I feel very strongly, although I know there are those who disagree, that government has not been able to succeed in solving the world's problems and the richest guy in the world has not been able to succeed. But business, which crosses geography, geographical boundaries and also um, political boundaries, cultural boundaries, at Coca-Cola is available in Mongolia, in the in the jungle of Ecuador, and in New York City, and it's the same thing. So, with that uh, ability to reach virtually everyone in the world, if we could shift business to becoming a force for good, I do think we have a chance to save some things. Not the polar bears. That's too late for their environment. That will be gone in my life. But maybe we have a chance. And so I was thrilled yesterday to read that Eileen Fisher had become a B Corp. I've admired her company and what they've done for years and the quality of their clothes. And here, here's a really quite a large company that has become committed to becoming a B Corp. It's an exciting movement and one that allows us to talk about different things. I imagine that many of my colleagues, if not most, when they were given the opportunity to talk 20 minutes to a large group of people in their winery, would not have chosen to talk about language. They probably would have talked about wine. Um, But to, to return to the example of the millennials, we see a distinct shift in our business. Millennials are willing to spend quite a lot on a bottle of wine, but they're not building cellars. They're, they're in the moment with friends enjoying that really rather too expensive bottle of wine for them. And they're exploratory. They want to try wines from 
all over the world, as well as cuisines from all over the world. It's it, it, it's such an exciting time to see the potential for a true social change that that returns us to our values and to becoming human beings. Well, this brings us to the end of our half hour, Deb. But there's one very very important piece of advice we all need, especially in the B Corp movement. We have not figured out the best word to replace impact yet. <laughs> and I know you have. <laughs> so uh, it, just off the top of my head, I'm thinking ripples, right? Uh, what sort of, uh, but it's still, that's still very descriptive as well. Ca- but, cascading effect. Well, it, it's some, there has to be some, a, a replacement word for quick, convenient description about the motivation of why we're doing something. Impact works, but I want to challenge myself to think, what would Deb do? WWDD. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd lo- lo- love to hear what your replacer word is. <laughs> I usually use influence. I think that's mostly what we want to do is influence. But what I mostly want to do, because I'm just, I'm passionate about it, I really want to inspire. But I think what most people really mean is influence. Yeah. I, th- I think that's great. You, I even think in the in the introduction of our boiling point, I think we use the word impact in it, don't we? I haven't listened to the intro for so long. Anyway, but, but, we are so inspired by this. Absolutely. Uh, even the even the folks at Hemings House, because ever since we met Deb, I've been talking about this at our at our management meetings and and this almost in a playful way. Like we're <laughs> John, who you know very well, Deb. Uh, last week we were in the boardroom talking about uh, something, and I just took the the, the marker. And I, I wrote down all the military words he used. And he didn't know I was writing, that, writing them down. And he turned around and he, and he put his head down. He's like, oh. <laughs> so anyway, you, you have had an influence and an inspiration with the Hemings House crew. And I'm sure now the whole uh, Boiling Point podcast listening uh, audience will also uh, think very carefully about this as well. Can, so. can, I, ask, can I ask Deb one, one yeah. more? Just quick, you know, I know we have to jump off here. But is, is there anything, would you point, like someone who's interested in this conversation and wants to learn more or, or maybe consider this more or um, any where would you point them is there is there uh, you know an, a great article that you've read or a documentary or anything that 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 you f- that may just kind of enlighten people a little more um, the book by the fellow oh gosh I'm so ashamed that I can't think of his name but um, going n- nuclear <laughs> that book is is a great one and I maybe you could look it up so you could tell your readers another time or put it on your website but that would be a good book I, I think the quote by Robert Shaw you don't see something until you have the right metaphor to let you perceive it I think maybe that would be um, worth it's it's really about thinking about it more than studying it oh, that's wonderful Cool. Thank well, you, Deb. Thank you so much, Deb. Really appreciate it. And uh, we are very excited to connect with you again sometime soon uh, in person, hopefully. And that enjoy, enjoy, for en- me on. enjoy the watering of, uh, of those beautiful grapes to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to sunshine. <laughs> right on. Okay. okay, Deb. Thanks so much. Take care. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, the obvious one for me is just, you know, the power of language, right? And, and how... 
Um, and, and so as soon as we're chatting with her, you, you, you know, you, I'm, uh, you, you can't help but get a little self-conscious about but, what but words it's, you're but using. It's, but it's, it's kind of fun too. Cause it's, she's not, uh, what's the word? Uh, she's pretentious not, about it. It's she's just, not, she's, not judging. she's challenging yeah, with it, yeah, which is, yeah. which is great. Yeah. And we find like, we've talked to Deb on the phone a number of times and, um, we, I always catch myself I'm like, ah, I said an impact again. Yeah. And then John's saying, yeah, we gotta, we gotta drill this down to, uh, our main objectives and, uh, well, you, well, you know, actually, you know what I was going to bring up, you know, the worst, the worst that stick with these 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 catchphrases and stuff are hockey players. If you watch a professional hockey player be, do an interview, I don't even know why they do the interviews because it's always the same. And it's like these words just jumbled together. Oh, right? and it's just it's terrible. Like I, it just drives me crazy. Like no, there's no thought. There, like it's it's just it's just trot out these lines. I don't even know why they do the segments because it's so frustrating okay, to we, hear. We've got about thirty seconds left. Give me an example. Pretend you are a, a hockey player in real life. So why don't you well, do that I, right now? I, I um, oh geez, now you're putting me in the spot. Yeah, I was. Uh, you know, we got to go. Uh, shift by shift, um, we got you know uh, the, it was uh, oh geez now I can't think of anything. I'll come up with better ones we're, next we're time. We're going to line up better strategy. We're going to uh, well, they, 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 and there's some mili- there's some good great terms that I can't even do it um, right now <laughs> when you're putting me on the spot. But there's a certain cadence to how. But but the point is, and and anyone that that would watch any of this would see it and they would hear it rolled out. And the thing is, is there's no thought. And, and it's meant to be safe because you don't want to say any controversial, right, is my theory. Because um, I remember even playing at a certain level where they, they the media guys would say, well, just say these kind of things, right? Well, right. And, and, and you're right. And, and like Deb said, it's lazy thinking. It's, it's not that we're choosing to be lazy, yeah. but it really, it gets you off scot-free in yeah. a way. Yeah. And, I, and I'll, I'll do a better job. We'll get someone on that plays hockey that can do that better okay. because I, I just was terrible at it. <laughs> I, I, I bombed out. Oh, jeez. Oh, that was awesome. You're, she is, she is fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but these are things we use every day. So I really, truly am inspired over, by Deb's, uh, Deb's philosophy here. Over and out. I, yeah. I'm now a practitioner of this. I'm going to leave I'm gonna now watch. and be inspired elsewhere. Awesome. <laughs> See you, Dave. See you, buddy. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hey listeners, I'm Christy, and I'm Melissa, and this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100% because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. <laughs>